your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 205 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood, and with Vitalia Bramov and Rudolph Balsers, the latest Senators to return from their loans. Wow, the band is pretty much back together, waiting for direction on when they can start training camp. Hopefully a couple days before the rest of the league, but all that is yet to be seen. You know we'll hit on that right when it comes out, but today we wanted to get your take, especially on those two guys, which one is more valuable to the Senators' long-term success. So what did Pilsy and I do? We made an entire organizational top 60 on where they all rank, and we'll be unveiling that over the next couple weeks. But go to Send Central, have your say, Abramov, Balsers, Sanderson, Branstrom, who are the most valuable pieces of this franchise? It's something we're going to keep an eye on as we do with every list that comes out on the internet. And yesterday it was Elite Prospects. They've been counting down their top 31. And let's just say we're not impressed where they rank the Senators. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, December 15th, and it's only been 279 days, Pilsy. What's a couple more before the Sens are back in action? I mean, at this rate, who knows how long we're going to wait. But hopeful that uh, training camp starts December 28th early for those non-playoff teams like was talked about because as we found out from our work today, Ross, there are a lot of question marks on this uh, roster when training camp starts, and there's going to be some interesting camp battles coming up. And one of the most interesting battles is at that left-wing position. Balsers, Schlappick, Abramov maybe making a push, but he's on a two-way contract with no waivers needed. So you got to think Balsers and, and Schlappick have the inside edge there. Where does Nick Paul fit in? Is he actually a third-liner or still that fourth-line tweener? There are so many questions, and that's only up front. Like, Artyom Zubin, we're going to get to J.D. Burke's list, where we were kind of surprised to see Artyom Zub where he was. And then what happens after he signs and picks Ottawa? They go out and get two right-hand defensemen who are likely going to play ahead of him. So the way all that is going to shake out is going to be really interesting. But let's focus on the two guys we mentioned off the top, Abramov and Balsers. Abramov's Mikulin Yukurit just announced this morning. Thank you, Vitaly. They posted on their social media. They also said an interesting note from Bruce Garriott that if the AHL season is not a go and the NHL season – well, it, on go, it goes on, but Abramov isn't a part of any taxi squad or whatnot, that he would be welcome back there to finish his loan. Is that something that you'd even consider if you're Ottawa? I think so, but th- this all coming if there's no AHL season, which I think there's going to be an AHL season. So do I, but I'm of the mind that even if there isn't, I would rather Abramov be with the Senators every day practicing and getting better against who he's going to grow with and play with down the road. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. For me personally, I'd rather have him in competitive games because he's still going to get the hard practices with his team over in Finland as well. But this is a guy you want to keep him going. You want to keep that confidence going. He had five goals when he was over there, and he was easily that team's best player. Like, they relied upon him heavily 
for offense. So I think he would have a lot of success there and he would get a lot of minutes rather than if he stayed in Ottawa with no AHL, he would be a part of a taxi squad, maybe getting in games here and there, depending on how he does uh, at training camp though. If, if like you said, there's going to be that battle at the left wing spot, depending on who wins that job at the start of season opening. Well, we put out a few polls today at Send Central on Twitter, and it was while we were making that top 60 list. And the way we organized the list, actually, we'll save it for a bit later because I want to get to this poll even first. And it's Vitaly Bramov, Rudy Balsters. There's still plenty of time to have your say by the time this is released, but the early returns, about 70-30 in favor of a Bramov. And I know you're in the minority, but I'm going to ask you this. Do people overestimate maybe the electricity of a Bramov's game or underestimate just the consistent effort that Rudy Balsters brings game in and game out. I'm going to go with the the second part there. They underestimate Rudy Balsters because I'm not about to say that Vitaly Abramov is not ex- explosive offensively. This guy, when he has time and space with the puck, it's incredible what he can do. And he, he doesn't miss very often. Like when he's put in those opportunities to score, usually he can bury them. And I've liked what I've seen from him working harder in front of the net, trying to grind for those dirty goals too. So Abramov's offensive upside is absolutely there. What I think people miss about Balsers is – yeah, that calm consistency he has. Maybe he doesn't have those highlight real goals, but I'll take a, a goal, a point every single game for 15 games straight over three games with uh, a couple amazing highlight real goals. Rudolph Balsers, his game is, I would say, definitely a step ahead of Abramov right now just because he has more of an all-round game. He's already been through three AHL seasons. He had over 30 games in the NHL a couple seasons ago, 15 games last season. I think if he gets a chance to stay in the NHL for for a full season, I think a lot of people are going to be back on the Balsters train. And the beauty of it too, and assuming Balsters wins, I think that Abramov's ceiling just just allows him that extra, and maybe that is me uh, overrating how electric his game can be. And I mean, we know the shootout specialist in him and and the the just goal-scoring ability that he can dazzle, go through guys, but... You're right. Just that workmanlike effort of Rudy Balsers. I think if you're making a third line where you want it to be a scoring line, but also responsible defensively, that that's the guy you want there. And let's remember that with Rudy Balsers potentially graduating, that opens a top six role in Belleville game in and game out and more opportunity for Vitaly, who's, like you said, a year younger than Rudy. Yeah, and I think here's the argument. Rudolph Balsers is already at that stage where I would be confident in saying he can play left-wing third-line role in the NHL right now. Whereas Vitaly Abramov, his role is probably more better suited for a top-six power play specialist role, and he's not there at the NHL level right now. Can he get there? 100%. Uh, But he's just not there yet. So that's where I have Balsers being more valuable. One of many exciting battles that will be ongoing whenever Sens training camp does open and we'll get you the full results from that poll on Thursday's Locked On Senators podcast. But for now, we move to our next poll. And this one, not as contentious. And, well, the fifth overall pick reigns supreme. Jake Sanderson getting 75% of the votes over Eric Brandstrom. The question, again, which is the more valuable Sends prospect. You thought that based on the further alongness, if that's a word, of his development, that Eric Brandstrom should get the edge right now. Yeah, and and here's the thing: it's it's value, right? And 
again, I'm not about to undermine what Jake Sanderson's value is. He's He was the best defenseman in the draft in my mind and a lot of other people's minds. He's playing exceptionally well through his first couple of games in college. We're going to see what he can do at World Juniors. But Branstrom is... I would say one, if not two steps ahead of him in his development because he's already logged AHL minutes. He's already proven that he's a number one AHL defenseman ready to move on to the AHL. And you get that uh, extra bonus of Branstrom being able to play left and right side. I think there's a lot of value to that. And I'm going to go with my answer, same as the first one. I think people are underestimating Branstrom here and have been underestimating Branstrom for a while. Wait till he gets a consistent, comfortable role in the NHL, and I think he's going to turn a lot of people's heads. And a role where he doesn't have to play with Ron Hainsey either. Exactly. Hurt. So yeah. as, as for Jake Sanderson, the reason I vote for him is just the pedigree of a fifth overall pick, and he's done nothing to discount it. And hey, when you hear the head coach for Team USA, Nate Lehman, say that he has no weakness in his game, as a young 18-year-old, one of the youngest players on this world junior team, that in itself is high enough praise where you got to turn your head and, and open your eyes. And if that doesn't catch your attention, I don't know what does. So go have your say. Again, we'll have the results of this and another poll that we're not going to really stick on too long because it's basically Pinto Norris 2.0. We asked about Clevin or Tyconic, and it's 90% the K-train steamrolling right now. But Pilsy, maybe a little bit of recency bias. However, it's not like Tyconic's not playing. They're both in the same NCHC pod. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if uh, the recency bias can be blamed to anyone, I think you can point the blame to us. We've been uh, chugging along the K train at full steam ahead here. And again, again, I'm not trying to discount what Clevin's done, but I have Tyconic higher here because he's a couple years ahead of Clevin in his development. And I think people, he just, it didn't work for him at UND. And sure, uh, you can say if you can't even crack a college lineup and you have to get transferred to a weaker program, that's not great for you. I want to see how Tyconic does in a proper role when he's going to be a top pair defenseman at Omaha. And then uh, we can talk from there. And Tyler Clevin is only three games into his college career. I'm not willing to, to uh, put him about of, of Tyconic just yet, although I can understand the argument. Well, let's ask one of our Central citizens. Saeed Kuda said that, they have puck movers. They need big, mean, and mobile defensemen to balance it out. So he's looking at more of a depth chart situation and seeing that Clevin may be a better chance of plugging in there. These are all going to be fun things to get to when we get to our list. And Pilsy and I spent about two hours before recording today going over that. And before I had to hit record after we've been doing all this work, I had to go grab a built go because I was feeling that wall, you know, that wall when you wake up and You've got through the first part of the day, but you know you have an important meeting in the afternoon. That's what these easy-to-take, one-and-a-half-ounce packages of Built Go provide. You can put it anywhere. I mentioned that if you have a presentation, you can just grab one there. If you're going to the golf course, the ODR, just put it in your bag, and you'll have the best second-half performance of all time. You don't want to be a one-and-done. You want to do the Vince Young style, where you just chill in the first half, and then in the second half, go off built go it's the best workout gel on the market think of it like this five hour energy but without that same crash feeling that ruins the whole experience plus it's natural so it's better for your body too it's like drinking a monster drink but with a third of the caffeine and it provides better results not only the results pillsy but the flavors too now i'm not going to give you a pillsy's pick of the week because we know that we save those for built bar 
But out of these three flavors, Pilsy, which one would you reach for today if you were having a built go? Would you go with the peanut butter honey? Would you go for the chocolate coconut? Or how about my favorite, chocolate mint? I'm a big peanut butter honey guy, and I, I love putting this on a granola bar. Like, get, get a brand granola bar, put your peanut butter honey built go on top, and you got a nice, tasty treat. But how does it work so well? Well, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, and collagen protein absorbs fast. That way it gets into your system, and it's easy on your stomach too. Built Go is loaded with all the good things you need that will ignite your work, like beta alanine, like B3, like honey, and then just for that little extra, a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks me into high gear and keeps me going strong. You want to hear this as a stat for you, math guy over here. It has 10,000% of your daily recommended dose of both B6 and B12, and the collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and even skin health. I'm telling you, it literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED. That'll get you 30% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Now, Pilsy, a lot of talk about our list, but there was one that went out on the Elite Prospects page yesterday. J.D. Burke, a guest on this show in the lead-up to the draft as well. We knew that it was going to be rougher than most lists because they had Tim Stutzla at number seven on their draft list. So I think that kind of sets the precedent of what they look for in players. And if you read through the article, I would recommend getting EP Rinkside. It's a pretty good quality uh, subscription-based, what would you call it, like feature on the Elite Prospects page, Pilsy. But man, having them as the ninth best prospect pool, as he would say, J.D. Burke, that is, it's a little rich for my blood. Yeah, I think that definitely was interesting, especially, I mean, I don't want to trigger you or anyone else here, Ross, but the Maple Leafs were only one spot behind the Sens in his list, finishing at 10th best prospect pool in the league. And I don't know, like, I'm not an expert on all the other league teams' prospect pools, but ninth seems like I would be shocked if the Senators aren't in the top five in prospect pool depth. We heard Craig Button say himself, the Senators have the deepest prospect pool in the league. Now, what I will say to his credit, and they made this very clear right at the start, it's Calder eligibility. So you're taking out two of the Sens' top four prospects because let's be clear, Eric Brandstrom and Drake Batherson are still prospects. Neither was included in this ranking. Yeah, exactly. That's a big part of it too. And I think you have to, like you said, you have to understand how EP ranks and uh, the way they go about things to fully appreciate how how these rankings are done. We we got a lot of knowledge from their EP draft guide. And yeah, like you said, Tim Stutzler was the lowest on their list of anyone else. So take that with a grain of salt when you're looking how they're comparing these high high-end prospects because having him lower than fifth overall will change a lot of uh, how they see the, the high-end guys. So it was Tim Stutzla first, Jake Sanderson second, and then the surprise is already, uh, maybe not super surprised, but they had Josh Norris at three, and then Alex Formanton all the way up at four. Just to round out, I'll list these all off and then get your takes on it, Pilsy. Number five, Logan Brown. Number six, Shane Pinto. 
Number seven, Rockin' Robbie Arventi. Number eight, Lassie Thompson. Number nine, Jacob Bernard Docker. Number 10, Artyom Zub. Number 11, Vitalia Bramov. Number 12, Ridley Gregg. Number 13, Levi Marilainen. At number 14, Johnny Tyconic. And at number 15, the best name in the organization, as you said on yesterday's show, Angus Crookshank. Yeah, definitely some interesting ones. I would say for, first off, Formanton is, is a little higher than I would have him. Uh, I would have guys like Brown, Pinto, maybe even Yarventi ahead of Formanton, but that's that's debatable. And then, yeah, having Zub mixed in here was really funny too because you, you don't always consider someone who's had that much pro experience as, uh, as a prospect. He's 25 years old and counts in this, yet 21-year-old Eric Brandstrom doesn't. See, that's where this to me doesn't make much sense. Yeah, but I think that then you're going by the Calder rankings. Have they played, uh, what is it, 25 or 35 NHL games? Yeah, it's 25 is that. And, I mean, Branstrom obviously is over that. But it just seems like, huh? Yeah, it kind of throw, throws a wrench in, in all of this. I think the biggest surprise for me, though, is Levi Marilainen cracking this list. I mean, you're omitting guys like Sogard. You're omitting uh, Philip Sosnesson. Sokolov yeah there's a lot of other guys so there was a couple names here that were a little a little funny and I don't think Crookshank would crack this list for me as well but overall the the ranking is is fairly accurate like you could you could move a couple guys a couple places but it's it's nice to have a list to get mad at and uh, we'll always do that yeah we will never pass up an opportunity to get mad at a list like Honestly, for me, and well, I wasn't expecting him on this list. Let's be clear. He was a do not draft on elite prospects board, but how can you just completely ignore Tyler Clevin's start? Yeah, I think, I think sh- small sample size is probably what uh, uh, JD's response would be. And when you're not a fan of the team, maybe you're not uh, pumping up the K train as much as we are. Well, we're going to continue to pump up the K-Train as we get closer and closer to World Juniors. I mentioned on yesterday's show, I'll just quickly reiterate it. But if you miss any of the World Junior action, you know that every day you're home for all you need to know surrounding the tournament and the Sens prospects within it. Yes, it's the Locked On Senators podcast. So subscribe wherever you download your podcast. Love reading the reviews as well. So keep those on coming in. And man, one thing that is very underrated, Pilsy, in this lead-up to the NHL season, there's a few teams who are still in cap trouble. Those teams are the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Vegas Golden Knights, both over the cap. And in Tampa's case, they still have to sign Anthony Sorelli, a very important piece on their cup run. If you're the Ottawa Senators, do you make the call to those teams? And if so, who are you looking to pry away from them at a very low cost? Yeah, there's a lot of teams, especially playoff contending teams that are into cap trouble now because you have to remember the anticipation and the the assumption was that the cap was going to go up and up and up and up. So a lot of teams were preparing with that in mind. And then all of a sudden, the world comes crashing down and the cap is not moving anywhere. And now these teams are scrambling. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are probably the worst set team here because a except lot. for Arizona. <laughs> I mean, except for Arizona, but I said playoff contending teams, Ross. <laughs> um, <laughs> because the the pieces they would move 
all have no trade clauses, like other than Braden Point, but uh, I don't think I'm a genius for saying this. I think they might hold on to that guy. So Not you're looking guy. at guys like Kucherov, Stamkos, Palat, Gord, Johnson, and Clord. And Tyler Johnson, they already cleared him through waivers, which was shocking at the time. But then you start thinking about it, a 30-year-old with a 5 by 5 contract, and he's kind of declining. I still think he's a serviceable NHL player that can get anywhere between 30 and 40 points. But at that much money, at that much term, it's tough to take on. So they couldn't even have someone pity grab him. They're going to have to trade away assets to get rid of someone. And on top of that, he's one of the guys with a no-trade clause. Where it gets really, really interesting for me with Tampa Bay isn't only the fact that they still have to sign Sorelli. They got Sergachev locked up to an unbelievable value contract. You don't think they're going to want to give up more assets. They gave away two first-round picks last year. One they received for JT Miller and then shipped away for Blake Coleman and then Barkley Goudreau comes in. And, I mean, that's the price you pay. They won the cup, so you don't take that away. But you don't want to go back into to your draft stock and give that up. Could this be a situation where you say, hey, internally, we have guys who can fill Sorelli's role. Let's actually get value back for a player that's leaving. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal, but I don't even know where he would start with trade value for an unsigned unsigned restricted free agent, Anthony It would have to come with a contract. I think... Tampa is is in a lot of trouble, and if I'm the Ottawa Senators, I'm not really looking to help this team out much. I mean, they're not in their division this year, the All-Canadian division, but coming forward, I wouldn't do too much to help this team, and there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of moves that make sense, and I don't see any of these guys with the no-move, uh, no-trade clauses waiving that to come to Ottawa, unfortunately. After winning a cup in Tampa, where you got no state tax, great weather all year, yeah, right. Yeah, that's why a lot of those players, when they get down there, they want that no-move clause. And then there's other teams like St. Louis. They lost out on their captain because they would they just don't provide no-trade clauses. They, it's just against what they stand for. So that's put a very interesting situation on Julian Breezebois, who didn't hand out any of these no-trade clauses. Stevie Y said, see you later. But Stevie Y also doesn't get a ring, although he did most of the work to build that team. So, hey, Julian Breezebois, it could be worse for you, buddy. I don't think we feel too bad. All I know is if I'm the Sens, I'm not helping them. Because you know what happened the last time a team in the division tried to help them? Well, Mikhail Sergachev ended up being a Tampa Bay Lightning in a trade one-for-one for, one for Jonathan Drouin. So that's a bit of a, a whoopsie-doo there. So I wouldn't want to be the next team. And don't forget about the Ben Bishop trade if you want to go rewind the clock a little bit there Corey Conacher coming back to Ottawa in that deal but Bilzi that's Tampa and now one of the heavyweights out west they got to shed contracts too and with Vegas would Jonathan Marcheseau or would Max Pacioretty be something that would interest you from the senator's standpoint not really and the, the thing is I love both those players and I think they both had amazing uh, stats when they're in Vegas, which is so it's surprising that those are the guys on the list. But again, hate to bring it up again, but we're looking at modified no trade clauses for both these guys where they can submit a, a no trade team list, like a team, a list of teams they will not be accept a trade to. I think there's a couple options for Vegas here, and I don't think trading Marcia So or Patretti makes sense for them. The first thing you got to do is get rid of Marc Andre Fleury. They have to find some sort of way to get rid of him. And what I think might happen is a team might trade for them that wants to protect two more goalies and can let 
Marc-Andre Fleury go unprotected because as we know, Vegas is exempt from this expansion draft. So that doesn't affect them. So they could be moving Marc-Andre Fleury as, as that sort of piece. But where it gets interesting for me with Vegas is the guy I have targeted, and I don't know what their interest would be in trading him, but to clear cap space up is Alex Tuck. He's the highest paid player without any sort of uh, no move, no trade clause. He's only 24 years old. He's basically got the Colin White deal. And he's a guy that I can see his upside booming here. So if you're the Ottawa Senators, you could make some sort of move where, let's be honest too, Vegas needs a little help in their prospect pool, shipping away Suzuki and Branson pretty much year one to acquire Pacioretty and Stone. So that's a, that's a decision where I could see working for both sides. But I don't think Vegas wants to give up on a guy that they signed to a long-term deal banking on his upside. And if you do look at Vegas's prospects pool, what's left of it, they're pretty strong up the middle with both Cody Glass and now Brendan Brisson. So you'd think that maybe one of the Sens winger prospects could, could be going the other way, but lots of speculation. And well, frankly, this is going to have to get sorted sooner rather than later because all teams have to be cap uh, compliant by the time the season starts. So lots of intrigue. You know we're the number one home for your daily Ottawa Senators content, but Running out of time today, no show tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we've got another guest back on the show. I shouldn't say back. It's a first-time guest, but we're really excited to have one of the producers at TSN 1200. It's a voice you'll recognize, of course. And we'll begin our countdown of the Sens value list. That's what we'll call it, the Sens value list, coming soon. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.